All right, well, I missed Matt Kalman. It was high time to bring him back in. It's an edition of Summer Skate here on WEI.com. It's the first ever edition of Summer Skate, so Matt, you'd uh, be pleased to uh, be a part of that, I'm sure. Matt Kalman, you know him well, at Matt Kalman on Twitter, covering the Bruins for about 50 years. Yep, CBS Boston, NHL.com, and uh, Parts Unknown, of course. Hot new piece up where you basically uh, echo Don Sweeney every step of the way, and you give him an A-plus across the board for their free agency moves. Uh <laughs> They really. Inst- I see the highlight package Bruins dot com. They they put up the uh, the John Moore highlights and the uh, Jokum Nordstrom highlights. The robust thirty seconds that those were. They really should have put up Anders Bjork and Ryan Donato highlights, shouldn't they have? That wasn't that the the gist coming out of the weekend. Yes, exactly. I mean, they should put up Ryan Donato, uh, Anders Bjork, uh, Trent Frederick, Jack, <laughs> Jack Stadnicka. You name it. They should be showing those guys because that's what this is all about. I guess. In all honesty, I'm not saying the Bruins are in a bad spot necessarily. Uh, they've got a good team. We saw that last year. They they were close. I mean, heck, you and I were sitting there during the uh, after Game One of the Tampa series and uh, talking about conference final hopes and and maybe uh, a trip to the Cup Finals. So they're they're obviously a good team. But this yep. was a depressing Sunday if you're a Bruins fan, wasn't it? Particularly just from your two rivals depressing. getting better. Well, I mean, Tavares got you know gives, makes the least a lot better, obviously, but. You know, they still have holes in defense, and then the, the, that's definitely a weakness of theirs, and the Bruins have been able to exploit that in the past. And, uh, you know, when you, when you look at the, the free agent list after Tavares, and with Carlson, you know, John Carlson signing uh, before he even got to market, uh, there were no marquee names out there. I mean, what guy got signed yesterday for a reasonable amount of money that you would want to put on this Bruins team? Maybe uh, a David Perron or a James Neal, but those are some pretty... Uh, high prices to pay for guys in their 30s who, uh, you know, could go south quickly. And, you, you know, you're not trying to lock up guys for too long at big money at this point uh, when you're trying to build an organization. You know, the David Backus thing clearly uh, hinders them a little bit in that frame, and they don't want to make that mistake again. No, I mean, I would say, I mean, I guess you could throw Paul Stastny in the list or Van Riemsdyk, but actually we were kind of bashing Van Riemsdyk for his, his play at times during the, sure. the, the Toronto series. The bigger deal, I think, was Tavares. And Ryan McDonough's extension in Tampa. I mean, you got whacked by that Lightning team, and and they're not going anywhere, at least for a little while. Yeah, but I mean, that McDonough uh, deal, you know, obviously that's a deal that Eiserman makes with the fact that he he figures he's going to get maybe three good years out of Ryan McDonough, and then the second half of that's going to be an albatross on them. And, you know, we don't know what the landscape will look like CBA-wise and and salary cap-wise by then, but uh, that's the type of deal that, if the Bruins had made that, uh, people would be jumping out of buildings because they'd be so annoyed with it. You know, the fact that they'd be locking up a guy like that for so long. I mean, I don't think uh, so. You really, you think that? I, I don't know. I guess people were squawking about the term for John Moore, but that's a, that's different than Ryan McDonough. Yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, five years for John Moore at two point seven five. I mean, you're out from under that pretty quickly. You know, you're going to get three good years out of him at least, and then those back to you, you might end up, you know, trading him for, for a low pick or demoting him to the minors, and it's going to be negligible in the end. I mean, the McDonough deal for that money, um, that's going to be wrapped around them for quite a while, especially when you look at, again, uh, Nikita Kucherov has to get paid at some point here, and he's been on a, a, a team-friendly deal for a while, and that's a big part of your team. I mean, uh, the guy you know, was basically the MVP from start to finish last year, even though uh, he didn't get you know the, the, the consideration he should have gotten toward the end of the year because I think he got off such a great start. People got bored of just talking about him, but you know that's a, that's a, one of the elite players in this league right now, and he's uh, going to be looking for some big money on top of the other big money players they have. Well, let's rewind to a couple days ago the, when uh, John Tavares' fever had reached its uh, pitch. Um, yeah, where it was you know even getting talk with us on the morning show. That's how that you know <laughs> that's wow. how that's how fair of a story it was, but. I didn't expect the Bruins to be in on the conversation at all. The fact that they were, I guess, says yeah. something. 
Uh, do you think they got a real legitimate shot at acquiring him? It's, it appeared their their meeting was the shortest. People were timing, you know, the, the amount of time in Pat Brisson's office. Uh, were they close to getting Tavares? Well, it was a really good process, instructional to uh, have somebody else dive inside our own team, and uh, and and we were uh, thankful for the opportunity to present uh, their their. You know, Pat and his group and, and John himself were, were really good about it, and uh, he was well-prepared, uh, and, and we felt we were. We put our best foot forward, and uh, it didn't fall our way. But, again, to be in that situation is, uh, is something that our group should be, uh, should be happy about, and, and it's a, probably a reflection on what we're trying to do and trying to accomplish, but, uh, you know, I wish it had fallen our way. Well, as close as six teams, I would say. I mean, obviously, they narrowed it down to that many. that There were other teams that maybe – were on the radar teams that thought, uh, you know, people that thought that the t- other teams might have gotten a shot at there, you know, maybe like New Jersey or some other uh, Western teams, but um, they were in the in the conversation. Let's face it, I, I don't put any stock in what the length of the meeting was. You know, you bring Cam Neely and, and Don Sweeney and, and Bruce Cassidy out there, and you, you tell them what it's like to be a Bruin, and we don't know uh, what kind of presentation they made so far. Nothing's really leaked about this, whether it was a video, whether it was, you know, we know Patrice Bergeron also called. We don't know. Maybe some other players called, and the fact is... Uh, I mean, that seemed like their only hope to me, that they had Bergeron and those guys yeah. had a, a Team Canada connection. Right, well, that's just the way it works, right? And I think, uh, you know, Bruce, Bruce Cassidy, let's face it, he has a reputation around the league. Uh, player-friendly coach, the, loves people, players love to play, not only for him because of his personality, but the style of play the Bruins are starting to institute here. And, you know, you look at all those young guys, you know, he, he mentioned uh, yesterday signing with the Leafs how he was impressed that the Marlies had won the Calder Cup, and he was excited about some of the kids coming up. He had to be equally excited about the Bruins kids and the fact that, you know, Charlie McAvoy is going to be here long-term and all these other guys coming up. So they were definitely in the mix. And let's face it, uh, when you're an original six team and, and you have the reputation the Bruins have, you're going to appeal to a guy like that. The guy has a good sense of history. We know how uh, meticulous he is about knowledge and, and information. And uh, clearly, you know, he wasn't wowed because he's not from Boston. He's from Toronto. And I think that was the the deciding factor here. Well, because it was such a public uh, romance, I, I do wonder how David Krejci feels about this. And I'm not saying it was a done deal that he was going to be shipped, but I guess it was coming down to either he or Bacchus. Uh, you know, somebody had to be sure. moved for them to fit him in. How do you think Krejci reacts to that? I think he's been dealing with that for maybe three or four years at this point, right? I mean, uh, everyone wants Krejci out every season. Uh, they, they, they call him injury prone, and then he plays 82 games, and he he's almost you know a, a three quarters of a point per game kind of guy, and despite playing with rotating wingers, I mean not to make excuses for him, but uh, he'll handle it. He's he's been uh, dealing with this for a long time, and who knows if he would have been the one guy. I'm sure they were in, in uh, communication with him, and the fact that maybe if they could have dumped Backus, that would have pretty much freed up enough space. And being a third center in this league these days is not a insult. Uh, Top three, you know, good teams have top three lines that play regularly, and special oh, that, teams would still. Well, that would have been a dream, right? If you had Bergeron, Tavares, and Krejci as your one through three, and right. gotten got rid of Bacchus, holy smokes, that would have been a great offseason. I mean, that would have been maybe what they would have had done. And the fact is, that's why you have all these picks and prospects. You can maybe lure somebody into taking a David Bacchus off your hands when you need to clear cap space for someone like Tavares. And I think that might have been their dream because they don't have a third center right now. And uh, Don Sweeney's talking about you know replacing Riley Nash from internally and. That might work. It might not, and they might, you know, show up 
November, after a month of not having a third center, and they might have to overpay for somebody at some point. Well, you write in your piece about this, the, the, you know, the possibility that this is not the end game, that they might still be out there looking for another piece. And I think that's pretty interesting, that they, they still could go out and flip, and Artemi Panarin's name keeps coming up, um, who was dynamite yeah. in Chicago. I don't know, did, would, would you say he fell off a little bit with Columbus? No, I think you know he's learning to play a two-way game with John Tortorella. I'm not going to put any, you know, any stock in any of this, if his if his numbers did dip at all. I mean, the guy's, uh, you know, I wouldn't put him as an elite player, but he's obviously got uh, some high-end skills that are just off the charts type things that the Bruins don't always have. And uh, if you can have him on a wing with Critchy and have, uh, you know, then you keep Pasternak with uh, Patrice Bergeron, it's. Uh, that's 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 a team that can can really challenge and like you said to close the gap maybe on Toronto and Tampa Bay at this point and you know you, you got Jeff Skinner out there that's been a rumor I'm not 100% sold and that that guy being a difference maker but then I think this Philadelphia thing with them signing Van Riemsdyk he kind of plays pretty much the same position as Wayne Simmons especially on the power play and uh, not sure how that would work having the two of them together on a power play and you have to think that Philly even though they're saying they're not uh, that they're going to have to shop uh, Wayne Simmons unless he's taking some kind of hometown discount there because he's going into last year's his deal too. Now, I mean, that would be those would be buzz trades. Now, it doesn't solve yeah. your back to your third center problem. Uh, let's say they make a deal like that. Um, they figure it out as they go. Just, just you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're going to add somebody like that to your top six, um, that top six is pretty good. You can cover up some of the yeah. uh, the problems you might have at third center and. Uh, you know whether it's uh, one Nola Chari is your third line center or something like that. Right, it, it could be Nola Chari, it could be Sean Corrali, it could be any of the three kids, it could be Jordan Swartz from uh, Providence. You know, there's there's ways to to make up for that. If and, and maybe Backus even if you're playing, uh, depending That's on the, true. How, how things are going. So you got uh, some options there. They're not they're not great options right now the way the team is built. But if you're if you're loading up on the top six there, then you could probably get away with it. Well. What do you? Which possibility do you give that? I mean, I see the Bruins are reportedly like a they make sense, but no, nothing really hot at the moment, right? That they're in on nothing these deals. At all. I think I think the interview period slows everything down. I think yeah. you know we go to the draft and they talk about you know there's no trades going down and only like two trades that go down. Well, if you're at the draft and you're not desperate to make a trade, you, know, you don't have to get rid of somebody right away. Let's say a team like Buffalo, we're trying to get rid of O'Reilly before paying his bonus. If you're not you know, push to make a trade. Why wouldn't you wait till after the interview period, after free agency, to make a trade when you don't know what player you might talk to that'll say, "Yeah, I'll come to you for this amount of money," and you don't have to give up anything to get that player, rather than trading for someone of a similar, you know, ilk. So, um, I think this interview period thing really has put a cramp in the in some of the trade talks, and I think uh, now maybe not today because maybe they're still kind of going over the free agent list, and there's still some big names out there. I mean, Pat Maroon is a guy that, you know, maybe if the number comes down, the Bruins could consider. And uh, maybe, you know, July 4th, <laughs> of course, that was when Tyler Sagan was traded, and maybe that's when trade trade talks start to heat up. Well, speaking of trade, you know, uh, of a big-name player going out, I guess that's uh, very much possible, too. And with the John Moore signing, more Tory Krug speculation, right, that they have too many left-shot defensemen. I know you're writing your piece that uh, wouldn't be outrageous to keep 8-D, uh, and they've got a heavy schedule, you know, especially backloaded in March there. You could rotate some guys. But it, it doesn't look like, based on the language of Don Sweeney, they want to go into a year where, again, it's uh, Krug and, uh, you know, two small guys on the left. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it looks. I mean, obviously, Tari Krug's number, uh, salary-wise, he's close to $6 million there. It's also hampering them. And if you're going to make a, a trade for a big-time talent up front, like a Panarin, 
you're going to have to probably part with a guy who's really valuable on this team, makes that power play go, and, and does so many great things in, in the room in the room and on the ice. And I don't think they want to trade him, but I think they realize that uh, that what it might come down to if um, if they're going to get that elite offensive talent. But by the same token, they might be looking at it as you know we have some elite <laughs> offensive talent here, and we might be able to get away with it. And I think that's the John Moore thing. I don't think is to replace Krug as much as it's to maybe take some heat off Grizzlick and. You know, I still hold that uh, I might be proven wrong tomorrow. They might trade Krug and trade one of the guy and have only go with 60. But, you know, maybe you need 8D to, to survive these days. And uh, the margins are going to be so slim now with Tampa and Toronto being uh, such good teams now. You know how it, it goes now with this playoff structure. You can have the third best record in the conference and be third in your division. So it's uh, it's not quite fair. And they know they don't want to um, sacrifice any games. And they know how... Injuries hit, and then uh, we we saw that he also talked about that with the goaltending, the fact that he doesn't want to be caught if uh, if Tuka were to go down early in the year or any part of the year, and it could be the same thing on defense. You could be looking at uh, just trying to keep these eight guys healthy and and have them to fill in, and maybe even play some of the matchups. And uh, that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, again, not paying John Moore some crazy amount that's uh, that's that's hampering them. They're not going to make. They're not going to say, oh, we didn't make this trade because we have John Moore making 2.75, any more than they would have ever said that about Adam McQuaid or, or Kevin Miller, the way they were making money over the years. It's just people um, don't think players should ever get paid, I think, sometimes. Well, maybe even more than that whole equation, it, it's a signal to me that their other youngsters are not ready, right? Lazan and Zaborl and uh, even the first-round pick who came over, right? Those guys... We, yeah, and you, know, you wouldn't... I mean, obviously, they're not going to come out and admit that, but yeah. kind of, Sweeney did kind of say, you know, he wants the guys to develop at... The right pace, which means, you know, I love to read between the lines with Don Sweeney. That's my uh, <laughs> mental exercise of the day, and that was definitely one of the things you picked up. But we, there were two things that they took that weren't actually, uh, you know, de- definitely said by Don Sweeney. One was, yeah, Lazan and Zabarl and Fak and I didn't have need time, and the, the second thing would be Halak is better than Hudobin, so Anton should go get his money elsewhere. Those, those are the two things that. Which that that's say, the, he did, he yeah. I mean, of course they're going to say that now that they signed Halak. I yeah. Halak's had some good years. He he strikes yeah. me as very streaky. I guess Hudobin is too. But right. the, they're they're always going to be streaky. And I think the fact that Halak was willing to even be a, a backup was kind of surprising because that guy's always been his best when he's been a number one. And you don't expect, especially with the agent he has, Alan Walson, and how close you follow him on Twitter. He's a strong proponent of his players and uh, doesn't like when his players aren't uh, getting the the fair shake that he sees uh, out of them. And so it'll be interesting to see if Halak has a couple of good games in a row if we suddenly see Alan Walsh tweeting that Tuka should be uh, relinquishing the net. But uh, a guy, you know, all the things Don Sweeney said to check off, you know, the the, the streakiness, the, the the success, despite playing behind a, a really terrible Islanders defense, and uh, the fact that he has uh, playoff experience doesn't hurt either. So, I mean, it's definitely an upgrade. If you're spending that much money on a backup, which is obviously where the market went, then you're maybe better off doing it on the guy that you think is better is the better goalie. I, I guess I just it's it's a weird thing to me. Hudobin was such a good storyline for them last year. He was what sixteen yeah. six and seven. He saved their butt in November, unless he was a bad character guy, which he seemed like kind of a no. goofy keep the room loose guy. They wouldn't right. go like a couple. Didn't he accuse them of basically not going an extra couple hundred thousand? They were hard line on him. Yeah, I mean you don't know where that comes from. I mean you don't know. I mean, but I don't blame them. I mean if you if if you have a number in mind for that goalie. And he's not willing to take that money, considering uh, all the things he said about how much he loves it here. Then uh, you may be thinking, saying, "Hey, you know what? Because they probably didn't even know how Locke would be in the mix." I mean, you're talking about 
they were talking about Chad Johnson and Carrie Lettinen and uh, a couple other guys, you know, maybe even Bernie they could have been on. and Carter Hutton, some of these other guys. Well, Carter Hutton obviously priced himself out because yep. he's going to go be a number one. So, um, you know, you look at it and you say, gee, if, if we have a chance for Halak and uh, it's the money's practically the same with Adobe, we might as well go for the guy that uh, that we think is better. Maybe he's buddies with Chara. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you get hey, some of that, that dynamic. Yeah. He's played with Char in the World Cup. He's played for Mike Dunham, who's the uh, basically the assistant goalie coach here in the Islanders, and um, certainly seen enough of him over the years to to know. And you know, Bob Asenza, the Bruins goalie coach, doesn't seem to have a problem working with anyone. Uh, and you've seen some of the guys like Hudobin and Chad Johnson leave, and they don't do as well. So that might be the big secret of the Bruins is that they have uh, a pretty good goalie coach there. Well, as far I, mean, I can't see these moves being the reason we're talking. You know, next. Uh whatever, June, about why the Bruins didn't win. It's it's not necessarily the make or break of success, but exactly. you you know, you, it is a, that's an interesting one. Uh, Riley Nash got paid more money than I thought he would. Three years, eight-plus million to go to Columbus. That's a mm-hmm. pretty big change. Schaller got paid. Um, who else did they lose? Holden, I guess. There was there really no thought of them bringing him back right. anyway, but uh, I don't know Chris Sorry. Wagner and uh, Joachim Nordstrom very well. I did watch those highlight clips, but uh, yeah. <laughs> what are we getting here with the uh, the Wagner Nordstrom signings? Yeah, I mean they're just more players. I'd say maybe in the Schaller ilk than anything. They're uh, you know bottom six guys. They play multiple positions. They can play sound defensively. Can forecheck and uh, you know Wagner didn't have great numbers last year and kind of had a terrible finish with the Islanders, but. Um, a little bit. I saw him when he was at Anaheim, especially, and that might be a better judge because he's surrounded by better players. He seemed like a, a decent, you know, bottom six guy, a guy who goes in straight lines. Can you know if either him or or Corral, he could wind up being that third center for a time here, and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And third at the NHL in hits, the Bruins can't get away from that, can they? They just said they love them some guy top five in hits. Well, you know, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily look at the top five in hits and really care much, but. You know, to, to me, it would make sense in this day and age with the, the way the game is that teams go with just four skill lines. I don't know why um, we still have these grinding lines out there, but this is the way. It, 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 the one team can't just do it because then one team's going to run over every game. So it has to be an overall league-wide change in philosophy. And so at this point, you still got to get these guys. And the fact is, they got them cheap. What did they get? One million for Nordstrom and right. one point two five for Wagner. Yeah. So again, this isn't Peter Shirelli overpaying his fourth liners like people cry about all the time. It's just Don Sweeney saving some money. You know, Riley Nash, Tim Schaller, uh, probably Tommy Wingles are out, and these guys come in for a little less money, and there's your savings. Well, if this is it, if they don't make a trade, you know, it, no. it, it's tough to accuse them of, of being passive because they were obviously in on Kovalchuk, they were in on Tavares, and as yep. you say, it's not like there are that many options. But um, it feels like, I don't know, it feels like a disappointment. It does a little bit. I mean, I definitely, you know, because you're still in that position where you don't have that that right wing on the on the second line, and uh, I think the Rick Nash thing threw them for a loop too. I didn't, I didn't realize they, they didn't necessarily realize he was he was not going to be an option when the season ended. At least clearly, like they they figured he was their fail safe. Like they they could always go back to Rick Nash. Yeah, I think so. I think they they really thought that he liked it here, and they, and they kept saying that uh, they were keeping in touch with him, and. Uh, it, it, that kind of hurt them as well, because again, with the with the uh, with the free agent list not being uh, that sexy, uh, Rick Nash would have been the, the next guy up, and you got to figure you could probably sell him on staying here, considering how much he supposedly enjoyed being here those last couple of months. But uh, it just took another guy off the market, just like uh, teams shopping for top 
he, you know, probably maybe were waiting for John Carlson, and the next thing you know, he wasn't even on the market. This is the way this crazy league operates, and that's why guys who aren't that good get uh, so much money the way they did yesterday and every July 1st since uh, since the CBA came in. Well, you know, the the bigger <coughs> story, I guess, is just going to be, you know, the Leafs now and, and the Lightning is the you know, the clear favorites one, two in the yeah. conference. And as you say, it's uh, you might have to be a really good team that finishes third and just kind of see where the playoffs takes you at that point. Exactly. It stinks, but the good thing is the rest of the division is kind of terrible. So you can pad up on number on stats on uh, right. exploiting Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, and uh, and Buffalo. There, I mean, it's it's the hell of a it's a, it's three elite teams in the division, and then four you know probably lottery teams again. So uh, you just got to make sure you you get every point you can get off of those guys, and then uh, see where the chips fall. And you know we'll see how Toronto goes. It might take a time for some chemistry there to to form, and you know you're gonna have to find line mates for Matthews and. Uh, Tavares, we don't know what Matthews is. You know, you talked about what Krejci's reaction would have been. What, what do you think Matthews? I mean, he has to be embracing it a little bit, but he also has to be wondering about his contract. And uh, don't tell me guys don't think about those things. If Tavares is making eleven million, what are they going to pay Matthews? What do they have left? And but he's so, due for a new big deal, I guess. Huh? He's going to be an eight exactly. free agent and so, soon. And so is Nylander. So you got hmm. uh, they've got some issues cap wise, and at the very least, uh, upgrading their defense is not going to be easy, considering. How much money they now have tied up in their top six forwards? If they give the right deals to Nylander and Matthews, what are you spending on defense at this point? And let's face it, uh, that defense was not good enough to even get them past the first round, let alone you know make a long run. It wasn't, but for you know, all of a sudden now Marlowe's your third center, or you know whoever they 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 had it look like you know t- two top heavy lines until I guess Bozak was playing pretty well in that series for part of it, and even Placanic. Yeah. I don't know. They're they're loaded up front. I mean, no, no matter where you spin it, that's a great one-two punch at center. Matthews and Tavares. Absolutely. Are you kidding? I mean, it might be the best in the league, but uh, <laughs> there's other aspects of the game. I mean, if uh, if that was just all you had to do to win a cup, uh, anyone would do it, right? But if you're going to sit down and predict, you're you're not going to uh, pick the Bruins to finish first or second, right? I mean, at this point, even with a Panarin trade, would you? Uh, where would you pencil one through three now? Lightning, oh, Leafs, well, it would, Bruins. It would depend what they would part with the Panarin. I mean. The Bruins and the Leafs are kind of neck and neck. I mean, look at that. I just can't keep harping on the Toronto defense. And, um, you know, a defense built on Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner, it just doesn't wow me. And even if you add uh, that Dermott kid who looked pretty good in the playoffs, if you had him on a regular basis in the top six, I mean, Zaitsev took a major step back last year. And, um, yeah, I guess they're gonna if they're going to play with the puck a lot and, and be in the offensive zone, it won't hurt them. But we'll see uh, if they're able to defend anybody. All right, there you go. Calman saying, "Don't despair." It just, uh, you know, the the major headlines to go from uh, you know Tavares to John Moore. I think that it's just yeah, right. it's, it's a it's you're not winning the PR day. Uh, not obviously. not that that obviously determines who wins the cup. Uh, many years. Well, luckily, uh, they don't have to win any PR war, PR battles because uh, LeBron picked his team, and True. Uh, the Celtics pick couldn't find an airplane, so you know <laughs> you don't have to worry about the headlines. All right, Calvin, good stuff. Well, if, if the trade happens, maybe we'll revisit for a second edition of Summer Skate, but uh, uh, I've been missing some Bruins talk. So even with our KNC Bru- uh, hockey talk last week, I had to get a little, little fix in, so I appreciate you coming on. Oh, no, thanks for having me. All right, buddy, talk soon.